it's going to be simple, but that's not always a bad thing. Um, and the Browns also aren't as bad as the 49ers or Rams were when they hired their coach. Like, we just have a more talented roster yes. than either of those. And so if Stefanski can look like that, this team has 9-7 and seven written all over that. Oh, all over it. The question is, does Stefanski look that good? And I, I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, we, we really don't know because we... Depends on, it seems, who you ask, who is more responsible for the success they had in Minnesota over the past year or two. Because uh, Stefanski was the offensive coordinator, but a lot of people credit everything that was positive or, you know, the steps forward that they took to Kubiak. So, so here, like, Stefanski called all of the plays. He schemed all of the plays. So there's this thing called Quarterback Collective, which was started by Sage Rosenfels and, like, a few coaches. Mm-hmm. But, like, any zone scheme coach has gone to the quarterback collective uh, like summer. And Stefanski did last summer, which is how he learned the Kubiak system. Stefanski knows the system. Like he really, he knows the system well. He was, again, he was the one scheming the plays, calling the plays. It was not Kubiak. Mm-hmm. Kubiak was there to coach, basically to coach Stefanski. I don't have a concern about Stefanski knowing the scheme. My biggest concern with Stefanski is the same concern people have with Kyle Shanahan which is when the 49ers go down, Shanahan basically calls pass plays. Mm -hmm. And when they're up, he basically calls run plays. He's not, like, he does really well at tricking teams. And you saw, like, that against the Packers in the divisional round or the close game against the Saints during the middle of the season. Like, it works. But my concern with Stefanski is kind of that he kind of has a set mind depending on if the game's close, if they have a big lead or if they're trailing mm-hmm. and doesn't really deviate from that. I, I think that's my biggest concern. And that's definitely a, a fair concern. I mean, again, uh, nobody know, really knows what defense he's going to be uh, good or bad or in the middle. Uh, right. We don't necessarily know how he's going to handle things. I mean, either, uh, <laughs> As right. as the guy who's actually running the show this time, because right? right. he was just part of the show, he wasn't running the show, and a lot of times it's too much for guys. And unfortunately, we've seen that time and time again in Cleveland. <laughs> I'm really waiting for them to interview the player and the player to say like, "No, nah, this coach was awful. Like, I like you do not want him as your head coach." Because you every time they interview a player about a new coach, like, "Yeah, he was the best coach I ever played for," or like. Yeah, he does great stuff in the scheme. And, like, I actually think you saw that a little bit with Kyle Shanahan when it was true, right? Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan's a really good coach, and teams really like playing, or players really like playing for him, and they respect him. But we also heard that with Freddie Kitchens. Yes. And Freddie Kitchens lost the locker room basically by week three, week four, yeah. or week five, whenever they lost to the 49ers. That was the turning point of the yes. season. So, and, and that's exactly what I said last time we talked. Uh, I want yep. I, who's the, who's the guy that thinks Kevin Stefanski is an asshole, or he's a dick, or he's a terrible coach. I want to hear from that guy because all right. you hear is the puff pieces. Hear that? Oh, I love this guy. I love playing for him. That's all people want you to hear because they want a good perspective of the new coach. Who's the guy that doesn't like him or hates him? Right. And I mean, Stefanski also hasn't really coached that. Like he hasn't been a guy that the whole team knows for that long. Like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess in Minnesota he was because he was there so long, but like he wasn't coaching that many guys for that long of a period of time. 
And so, like, it, it is very possible that every player the team talked to said nothing but positive things about Stefanski. Um, but that doesn't, like, it doesn't mean anything, right? Yeah. And I, we don't know. Do I think he will be as bad as Freddie Kitchens? No. I mean, I, I just, I cannot foresee any coach the Browns having ever being that bad again. But, I mean, could he not be great? Yeah, there's a huge variance here. Yeah, it's a very, very wide uh, margin for error there. Yeah. Uh, Final question uh, in regards to Freddie Kitchens before we move on to the next topic. Uh, Who was worse, Freddie or Hugh? They went back different ways, actually. Because, I mean, Hugh did certain things pretty well. One of which, the players loved him. Like... The players never really lost faith in Hugh Jackson, um, at least until that last season. Whereas Freddie Kitchens, they turned on before week six. Mm-hmm. And so so I think that, like, Q was better there. But, like, even last season, Freddie was just a better play caller. Mm-hmm. Like, even last season when he was terrible, he was better than Hugh Jackson. So he was worse in your opinion? No. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I would rather, I mean, in some ways, I would rather have a coach the team continues to play for. I think there was a lot of games down the stretch last season that we could have won if the team liked Freddie. So I think the second Pittsburgh game, I think the second Baltimore game, I mean, people forget we were up in that game. Baltimore scored going into half and the team totally quit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I think the Denver game was, a clo- was one where the team just clearly had quit on Hugh. And the Seattle game was another one. And I think those were all winnable games if the team liked Hugh and respected Hugh Jackson. Or what, like, Freddie Kitchens, not Hugh Jackson. I'm sorry. And they just didn't. I, I mean, I think both were terrible. Like you said, different ways. Um, I still maintain I that Hugh was like, worse. I, I want to see the left tackle out as a receiver like Hugh did with Joe Thomas. <laughs> that, that play was just great. Or... Uh, Hugh Jackson, the other one, we go to overtime against the Patriots, we win the toss, and he elects to defer. Uh, I, I mean, he made he made so many dumb mistakes. There was the one where they scored in overtime. It was the game-winning touchdown, and he uh, you know, put up one for field goal. It's like, dude, game's over. I remember that, yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know, so... It, they're both bad. If I had to... And I understand Hugh had some obstacles, disadvantages that Freddie Kitchens didn't have. But there are just some things. It's just like, dude, what the hell are you doing when yeah, watching let, just Hugh Jackson coach a team? And yeah, let me put it like this: I think Freddie Kitchens, a decade from now, could get another head coaching gig and be a perfectly good head coach. I think there is some promise there. I think he had no idea what he was doing. Yes, and. That was where the big problem was. I mean, like, say what you will about Stefanski. Stefanski's had more of a role for, like, the past five years than Freddie Kitchens has on the teams Freddie Kitchens has been on. Yes. Um, and Stefanski's going to be more ready for this than Freddie Kitchens. That's also why they signed Callahan. Um, mm-hmm. to be the, Like, he's kind of that veteran guy who's going to help Stefanski. Yeah, so... so... I, but, yeah, I would say I think Hughes probably worse, but marginally let me phrase it to you this way both teams coach both coaches coaching the exact same team against each other who wins freddie 
Yeah, okay. That, that, that's all I need to know. Brandy's going to get the one or two big offensive plays that that work. Um, and I don't think he will. Yeah, that's that's basically... I mean, because it depends on who you talk to. There are several people on uh, Twitter that still are Hugh Truthers. And good yeah. God, it is just one mind-numbing conversation when you get yeah, sucked into one terrible. of those holes. It's awful. Yeah, it's um, terrible. <laughs> uh, so the next thing I want to talk about, uh, there was a report there's a possible cap reduction uh, after this year uh, mm-hmm. of up to $40 million, I saw. Yep. While the Browns have cap space, something you mentioned earlier, uh, extensions for some players. Uh, you know, Miles Garrett, maybe Nick Chubb, maybe Denzel Ward. Uh, I, I, if things work well for Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield. The person this affects most, I actually think, is Miles Garrett. Because I, I just, if there's a $40 million cap reduction, I see no world in which the Browns pay Miles Garrett $20 million a year. They're not going to. I mean, because then your edge, your edge rushers, mm-hmm. we're like, and. I'm assuming Vernon's not on the same deal. Like you just have a guy making league average on the other side mm-hmm. are going to be making up close to a quarter of your cap. Your two starting edge rushers, yes. which is just absurd. And that's absurd. They will like that. I actually think could bring miles Garrett's annual salary down to a level where I would give two thumbs up to, to that contract. Um, Nick Chubb. I don't think it impacts because I think the Browns will just continue to, like, it, next season will be his last season, and I think the Browns will basically tell him, listen, if we give you an extension now, it's not going to be as much as even if we just franchise tag you next year. And I think that may be enough for Nick Chubb just to be like, okay, that's fair. Um, Denzel Ward, I mean, it's I thought Denzel Ward had another year before we need a, like before he's on his last year. Yeah, because he was a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. So he'll have five years. So I, I don't think I, I think the big contract it impacts is Miles Garrett. Well, that's the, you know, the more immediate contract it's going to, but yeah, uh, it's going to I guess if they wanted to start entering into early negotiations with some players or you know ripple effects of other players on the roster, because I can think of one position group that's going to have a fairly immediate impact on uh, it's the wide receivers. The fact yeah. that those two make thirty million dollars a year. Yeah, uh, Landry I, and Beckham. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I've said this many times, like it or not, uh, of the three of pass catchers, Beckham, Landry, Hooper, uh, two of the three will not be on the team in two years. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Hooper will be kind of a short-term solution. I, I do think ultimately Bryant was drafted to replace Hooper. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean... It de- Listen, it depends, A, how Stefanski looks. And so, like, with Kyle Shanahan, right, he didn't need like, – Manuel Sanders helped because they didn't have an X receiver. But Debo Samuel looked great. The year before that, Pettis looked really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bourne lo- – like, if Stefanski can coach like that, you'd basically just need speedy receivers. In which case, I think both Odell and Jarvis will be on different teams three years from now, if not two. Mm-hmm. Um, if Stefanski looks – meh to the point where they basically fire him and Baker looks meh to the point where they draft another quarterback I think the area they will let I, I think quarterback will just be a low salaried position at least in the short term and they'll try to keep those guys around and just re-sign everybody else 
So, like, I could see them if if Stefanski looks eh and Baker looks bad and Keenum comes in midseason, doesn't do a Ryan Tannehill, but looks all right, I could see them just giving Keenum a little extension and just rolling with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it depends. I, it's, it is going to affect the receiver. I think, again, ultimately my view is Baker ends up as like a Jared Goff level guy, maybe a little bit better, maybe a little bit worse. I think Stefanski is going to be a really good coach. I'm not as worried about him. And I think you probably lose Hooper and Jarvis. Um, Ultimately, like slot receiver, the the difference between Jarvis and league average guy is pretty decent, but it's not huge. Whereas the difference between Odell and that guy is pretty enormous. Yes. Um, And so now the question is, is Odell willing to stay without Jarvis? Um, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see, again, what ba- – like, if Baker looks like Jimmy Garoppolo and Odell's getting his yards and his numbers, then I think he may. It's going to be if it is kind of a repeat of last season. In, in my personal opinion, the uh, of those three players, the one you keep, just in my opinion, the way I see it is Jarvis Landry. Because I, yeah. I view him as the guy who is very adaptable to multiple schemes. He, you can plug and play him in any type of scheme. Uh, you can, It's just the way his particular skill set works seems it, it's you can use it no matter what type of offense you're running and what type of quarterback you have. Well, we'll see. I, I mean, I, I think you're right as a general rule. Jarvis is like floor production is still pretty decent. Like in any scheme mm-hmm. I worry that usually slot receivers in this scheme are a bit quicker mm-hmm. um, so like the Rams in 2018 they had Cooper Cup and then they brought in Reynolds and when they brought in Reynolds they moved Robert Woods over to the slot and then the 49ers had Debo Samuel basically playing the slot this is why I wanted LaVisca Chenault in the draft mm-hmm. uh, because you're just going to need a receiver that can A, look good on jet sweep plays, and B, look like get a ton of yards after contact. And I'm not saying Jarvis can't. I'm saying we have not seen Jarvis in this scheme before. So I think this year will tell us a lot, actually. Because if Jarvis looks good, you're 100% right. I think if Jarvis looks good, Odell is the guy they move on from. Mm-hmm. Um, if Jarvis looks mediocre, I think it's going to be they'll probably keep Odell and they will find a way to get kind of one of those like Devo Samuel Cooper cup guys in the system. Yeah. Like uh, Odell's obviously he's, he's the better receiver of the two. I just, I, I view Jarvis as more adaptable. Yeah. Again, it, I think a lot depends on how they look this season and, um, and if they're healthy. Yeah. And if they're healthy, I mean, yeah, that's the other thing. It, so We'll see. I mean, if it looks like Jarvis is Adam Thielen and Odell's Stefan Diggs, then you absolutely keep Jarvis. If it looks like Jarvis is Emmanuel Sanders and or I'm sorry, if it looks like Odell's Emmanuel Sanders and Jarvis is Kendrick Bourne, then you keep Odell. Yeah. A Although I guess decision. the 49ers kept Bourne, but there's different reasons for that, which yes. is that Bourne makes like five hundred thousand dollars a year. <laughs> 
Uh, don't let the front office know about that. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think receiver. I, I know receiver is a really important position. I tend to think it's fairly replaceable. I think it's pretty easy to get guys there. Um, and so I, I just am less. I'm less inclined to keep receivers than I am. And, and tight ends generally, too, unless you have a generational tight end. Yes. Um, I, I think those positions are fairly replaceable. Um, whereas I don't think offensive line is. I don't think quarterback is. I don't think running back is as replaceable. Um, but I do think there is a value of replaceability there. Mm-hmm. But not. I don't know for a guy like Nick Chubb. I, have, I haven't really thought about that yet too much. Well, okay, so let's explore that right now. Uh what do you think? I, I don't know. Give me your opinion on that one. Uh, here it is. Uh, Nick Chubb is an, a limited factor in the passing game. Uh, he's not a pass catcher. He's not anyone who's going to make an impact, really, uh, in that particular aspect of the offense. Uh, he's great as a runner. He's more than a between-the-tackles runner. I know a lot of people are just like, oh, between-the-tackles, Nick Chubb. He's more than that. He's great at any type of run play you want to throw at him. However... The fact that he's limited in the passing game makes him more replaceable than somebody like a, you know, a Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. It, to me, what's always hard, and, and it's really just because there isn't data I really trust on this. Mm-hmm. I like Nick Chubb. I know for a fact is the best runner yes. in the NFL. Like I'm like Derrick Henry is amazing. He's not as good as Nick Chubb, and Derrick Henry's great, but those two are in a tier two by themselves. But I think you're right also, and I think the Titans are facing this problem this year with Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. If that running back isn't good in the passing game, or is at least not like not going to bring you a lot in the passing game, then how replaceable are they? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I, haven't, I, I mean, I think you're right, and, and if you're right, then that means you probably – so you have Nick Chubb this year, next year, and then you probably keep him on two franchise tags and then you move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I mean, that's fair. I just, I like, it, I what is the difference between Nick Chubb and a league average running back? So like Nick Chubb and Isaiah Crowell. Who yes. I think was like, I, I have a much more positive view of Isaiah Crowell. I do like, too. Pick your league average running back. How much more valuable is Nick Chubb? And I can't really figure that out. Now, I guess it's important to say the difference between league average running backs who have the same type of skill set that he does, because there are league average running backs who also are factors in the passing game. Right, like uh, Duke uh, Johnson. Yeah, so, you know, not him. So, uh, of, of somebody like, let's say, you mentioned an Isaiah Crowell, or somebody in that particular type of running back who's better as a runner than passer. However, I do think Crowell might have been better in the passing game. Um, Crowell's a better runner, or not Crowell, uh, Chubb's a better runner than Crowell is. Yeah. But when you look at those other guys that are, let's say, league average, but are also factors in the passing game, I think that's where they become, I want to say, a little more valuable. Uh, yeah. Only because that you can... You can use them in different sets. A, a, a perfect, uh, I guess, way to put it is, uh, how do you view Leonard Fournette? I, I know he had some strides in the passing game last year, but I'm going to be honest, that wasn't, <laughs> that's not sustainable. Yeah, that's not who he is. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would never draft a running back that high um, for kind of the reasons you laid out, especially like Leonard Fournette. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right, right? To a certain extent, like Todd Gurley, when he was healthy, was actually a really big asset in the passing game. Mm-hmm. And I think that gave him added value. I think that's why the Rams signed him to that contract. And obviously it didn't work out, but I could see the reasoning there. Christian McCaffrey's generational. I, yes. I mean, you're not going to get a Christian McCaffrey. He's generational. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I mean, that's a fair. I think you're you're probably right, right? Which is that if the running back can't help you much in the passing game, then I don't know if they're that valuable. So no, I mean, that's a fair point. I, I mean, I, I can't really tell, right? I can't. I, I would need to really kind of look at the numbers to figure out what kind of like, so but a player that is both league average is a runner and pass catcher. I really think like Duke Johnson is the perfect example of this. So like maybe slightly above average is a pass catching running back and league average is a runner. How much more per game does Nick Chubb get you than Duke Johnson? Um, and I don't know. I, I would need to look into that and really kind of study that because I don't have a gut instinct. I think you're right. Like passing just inherently is more valuable than running like on a yards per play basis. Mm-hmm. and like good teams actually throw it a lot to the running backs on the first down which the browns i don't think are ever going to be able to do no uh, so i mean i think you have a point there uh, let's say let's look at dalvin cook nick chubb's like, a better runner than dalvin cook but dalvin cook's a better uh he's better in the passing game so yeah. it is you know let's say longevity wise uh useful wise Value-wise, um, from an overall standpoint, I would probably say that Cook might be more valuable because of what he provides in the passing right. game versus someone like Chubb. Chubb's a great runner. Yeah. I mean, and we'll see. Like, I, I also think part of what happens with Chubb is he just never got used in the passing game. Um, and pro- but I mean, he wasn't I, used in the passing game in college either. So Right, right. But I, we'll see. I, my guess is Stefanski uses him more in the passing game. Again, like I said last time in the podcast, I just don't think Kareem Hunt is going to see that much this year. Like, if you want your blocker, Yanovich is better. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, if, and, and you, if you can't use... If you're swapping them out for one's the running guy, one's the passing guy, you're telling the defense what you're doing. So Right. And so I, I just, I, I think they're going to try Chubb in the passing game more this season. And I think we'll see what it looks like. Um, I, I think you're probably right. He's not going to be great. Like he's not going to be a guy that can run wheel routes, mm-hmm. but I, I do wonder like what Chubb would look like on screen plays or is like a check down guy in the middle of the field. And I don't know, like he hasn't dropped a pass in his NFL or college career. It's just the idea. Like it takes him a split second longer to get to that top end speed than like a receiver. Yeah. Um, and so that, that prevents him from doing like wheel routes and stuff. But I, we'll see. I, I mean, I think you're probably right, but I think it's not entirely settled yet. Yeah. Um, we just have had bad offensive coordinators. A lot of them. Uh, I can think of uh, one we've had uh, that, that was really good, but uh, he, man- he managed to get his way out with a PowerPoint presentation. Man, it, that was – I know there was no talk of firing Mike Patton then, but the team really should have fired Mike Patton and, because 
that was Shannon's whole point. Like, you're not going to let me be a head coach. I have no room for growth here because your team's about to suck. Mm-hmm. So I got to go. Yeah. Um, and I think that, like, that was a big mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Shannon was still probably ready then to be head coach. I knew I know the concern, but, like, he didn't miss a beat in Atlanta, and then he didn't miss a beat in, I guess, after Atlanta, he uh, got his head coaching gig. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think they made a big mistake there. Anyways, that was a sidetrack. I mean, a little sidetrack, but ultimately what it came down to is that they wanted Manziel to play. He didn't think he was ready. And... Manziel <laughs> was a terrible pick. <sighs> he was. He was so I... bad. I, I wanted him to be good so, so badly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, the, yeah, I, that was a terrible pick. And Shanahan knew that, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's why there was never quarterback competition between Hoyer and Manziel. Like, Shanahan was like, listen, Hoyer's going to be able to run my scheme better. And he was right. Manziel was an idiot. Like, he <laughs> couldn't read the field. So he was athletically gifted, but couldn't read the field. Yeah. So, and, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yep. And, and my feelings towards our, our current quarterback are similar. I want him to work out. I don't know if he will. Uh, Again, I still I just think Baker's floor is so much higher than Manziel. Well, yeah, so, I agree with yeah. that because, yeah. you know, it, Manziel's floor is <laughs> underground right. somewhere. Well, uh, I mean, I think <laughs> Baker's floor is higher than Manziel's ceiling as a pro. Yeah, that's uh, I, I that's was never – I actually – like, there were – some really good film studies on what so analytics love Manziel um at least at the time they've come around on that mm-hmm. with kind of the new player tracking data we have but so there was film studies when we didn't have player tracking data that I mean we're like Manziel moves without purpose yes and that's a really big deal for quarterbacks like Baker actually has phenomenal footwork um, and it's going to get even better with Van Pelt. Yeah. Um, like he's fixed, like Baker's throwing motion seems like is now going to change. So he's not going to be throwing off the wrong foot anymore. Um, and so that's great. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. Like, I again, I'm probably more optimistic on Baker mm-hmm. than you are. You but, are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. I'm also more optimistic on Stefanski. I think I'm less optimistic on Jarvis Landry than you are. I actually think this may not be Jarvis's best year. It's possible. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll all find out. Uh, you know, from you know, a fan perspective, I want everything to work out. I want everything to to you know be productive and everything to be the right decision that they made. Uh, I just know, uh, pulling myself you know back out of that more from an objective point of view that. Chances are, at least fifty percent of what they've done uh, won't work. Right, that's just how it is, and it just right. depends on how much more than fifty percent doesn't work. And that right. in the Browns' history, it's always been significantly more up to double. <laughs> well, right, and it's like what, like what isn't working, right? I yeah. mean, if your coach is working, and you're really, if the coach is working. Mm-hmm that then anything else can go wrong and you'll probably still be you'll st- probably still be pretty good the question is if your coach it, like if the coach if Stefanski looks bad mm-hmm. then we're in trouble yes um 
Like that to me is like the 50% that really matters. If Stavansky looks good, Baker will max out like any other quarterback in this system or Baker will floor out, not max out Mm -hmm. like any other quarterback looks in the outside zone system or any other like decent quarterback, which is like kind of Brian Hoyer in 2014. Like that's going to be like the floor if Stefanski works. Yes. Um, And that like that again is probably good enough to get you an eight and eight or nine and seven record. Um, It just depends what doesn't work. Mm hmm. Um, and if Stefanski doesn't work, this team could end up being, it, it will implode and it could end up being really bad. Yeah. It, it's, uh, uh, to make a comparison to baseball for a second, uh, you're guaranteed to win 25% of your games. You're guaranteed to lose 25% of your games. It's what you do with the other 50% that matters. Right. 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 Yep. Exactly. No, I mean, I think that's very fair. So like, we'll see. I mean, I'm. I don't necessarily think the outside zone is the best scheme in the NFL. I don't think there's such a thing as the best scheme. And I think, like, a team like the Chiefs with Andy Reid, who just, I mean, Andy Reid is just a genius who is mm-hmm. not dependent on scheme at all. I don't think Stefanski will be one of those guys, but I don't think Mike Shanahan was one of those guys. I don't think Gary Kupiak was one of those guys. Like, these guys are trained to use a very particular scheme. Yes. And to invent within that scheme. And, I mean, again, Mike Shannon was one of the best coaches we've ever seen, right? Even, like, Joe Gibbs used this, right? And so I, I think that that's okay. I'm always worried when you hire, like, an Andy Reid-type guy or from Andy Reid's scheme. Like, I know Doug Peterson's worked out really well, and, but, and Matt Nagy's looked pretty good. But even Matt Nagy's surrendering play-calling duties this year. Mm-hmm. Um, like, those scheme like those guys that just use a little bit of everything with I guess a base and zone running, but not as their like core. Those guys are like that's what Freddie Kitchens was too, and those guys you just gotta hope know what they're doing, um, and so I like I am cautiously optimistic, but my cautious optimism is I think eight and eight to nine and seven is probably where the Browns finish which is much more pessimistic than most Browns fans. Oh, yes, because you have people thinking that they're uh, <clears throat> going to go like 11 and 5, 38 3. Like get out of here with that. It just it's I know people are excited. You know, they still have a good roster. However, you know, those their first two games at Baltimore then a quick turnaround against Cincinnati on yeah. Thursday. Yeah, it it is very likely that they're staring zero and two in the face going into week three. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say very likely. I, so again, I, I think the Ravens are going to be pretty substantially worse than they were last year, um, which I guess isn't hard. They only lost two games in the regular <laughs> season last year, but I I just like Lamar Jackson. It's very clear does not play well against like quarters coverage. Yes. Um, and that's just going to be something that is like, that's not going to change. Lamar Jackson doesn't have, like, maybe it does change, right? Maybe becomes like a substantially better enough passer that it changes. Um, but then if that changes and he's a drop back guy who can run, then that scheme isn't all that unique anymore. Um, and so I think Baltimore is going to be like a 10 and six team this year, 10 and six, maybe 11 and five. And I think the Browns are going to be able, like, we didn't have a good defense last year, 
but we were able to stop Lamar Jackson, and it wasn't because of Joe Schobert. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it will be very similar this year. So I'm not as worried about the Baltimore game. The Cincinnati game is scaring me a little bit more, um, mainly because they just have so many question marks. Like They are I the ultimate wild card team. You don't know what the hell they're going to do. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's never been a rookie that has like just like been just this phenomenal like game-changing quarterback. But there have been rookies that have looked really good, including Baker Mayfield, including um, Kyler Murray. And, and I think it's plausible that Joe Burrow is like a very good quarterback. They have a good receiving room. They have a great running back room. And their coach is not like – I mean, he was kind of that McVay tree guy. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be doing a lot of the same stuff we're doing. Yeah. And – I think that I mean that gave us huge problems. I mean, do you realize like how badly we lost against zone running teams last year? Like it was unbelievable. And I, a big part of that game is the 49ers game. But like zone, like even Cincinnati, the one game, like they just ran all over us. And I don't think that gets much better this year. No, I don't think it is. Uh, I, I mean. You know how I feel about the defense. Not optimistic yeah. about it. Uh, one last thing I wanted to discuss yeah. with you is, uh, from my perspective, the overall, I guess, roster construction and how long certain players on it stay together, I, I view the team as very fragile. Yeah. Uh, so, complete nightmare scenario. They go worse than what I think they're going to do, which I don't think they're going to be that good this year. Uh I, I see them between five and seven wins. Nightmare scenario, they're worse. Uh, you're going to see a lot of player movement, and a lot of player movement people aren't going to like. Yeah, I mean, I guess I find it... So I don't think that they'll be worse than... I don't think they'll be that bad, because just it is a general rule. Like, the team is... I, I don't think the roster is... I mean, I, I don't think there's really an area on the roster outside of linebacker that is worse than what we had there last season. Um, and I think most are better by like a decently substantial margin. And so, but you're right. And, and I think it doesn't even take worse than five to seven. Like if the team starts 0-3, I think you're going to see probably Odell Beckham traded. Yeah, definitely. It, because, or, or if not Odell Beckham, it will be some player they have identified as a key problem in the locker room and for Baker Mayfield. Um, like, if Baker looks good in their 0-3, which is plausible, mm-hmm. they're going to trade Odell. Because something's going to be, there's going to be Baker's forcing it to Odell. I also think another player that is not totally safe from being traded is Miles Garrett. And I, I agree with you 100%. Um, <clears throat> because he has a ton of value and he like trading him could fix a lot of holes. Like you trade can. him, you get, you could get like, it could be kind of like what the Rams did last year. I know they did it in multiple trades, but they got Jalen Ramsey yes. by moving on from guys like Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib who were just meh guys. Mm-hmm. And I, I could see them doing something like that. And listen for the Rams, it worked right. The Rams were on a huge losing streak and they finished nine and seven. Um, which again, like they're in the best division in football, best conference in football. Um, so it's not, that's not in my mind a bad finish, but I, I think that is the, there is a lot of fragility on this team. I agree. 
and I think, yeah, go for it. I was say I was gonna say, um, <clears throat> in the overall, I guess, they're the amount of time that they have to get things right versus uh, the amount of talent that exists on the roster. It, yeah. It's like a it's a one season thing to get it right, and I don't think that's something a lot of people want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> it, it for the core group of players, so like you know you know Baker, Chubb, Beckham, Landry, all of those guys, and you know some of the guys defense Ward, Garrett. For those guys to stay on the team past a year from now, past two years from now, they have to get it right this season, and I don't know if they're capable of getting well, it right this and, season. And I guess it depends what you define as getting it right. I think the team basically needs to be 8-8 eight and eight or better. Um, maybe 7-9, and nine, depending on like if they're just losing a lot of close games. Like That was kind of the Cowboys last year, mm-hmm. and I know it got Garrett fired, but Garrett had been on the hot seat for a long time, and they really didn't change too much um, this offseason. They were 7-9, and nine, but there was like six or seven games that they lost just like in garbage, or not in garbage, but at like the end of games. And that's just variance, right? Like, that, that, and I get like in that world, 7-9, and nine, I think a lot of these guys are okay. Um, but I generally think 8-8 eight and eight or better basically will qualify as getting it right, and then you plug holes next offseason and move on from there. Mm-hmm. But I do think you're right that if they go seven or nine and look bad or worse, there's going to, my guess in that world is actually Stefanski gets kept and they totally just kind of like, not necessarily decimate the roster, but move on from some key guys and basically give Stefanski exactly what he wants. That's what I see happening if Stefanski ends up working as a coach, but things don't actually go right in the first season. So yeah, that that's what I foresee happening. Uh, let's say, let's say just they go six and ten this year. They lose mm-hmm. a couple lopsided games. Uh, you know they <laughs> predictably lose in the division again. Uh, finish with a losing record in the division. Um, you'll see guys, uh, Beckham, Landry, m- more than likely Garrett gone. Yeah. Um, you'll see. Uh, an evaluation of what they're doing with Denzel Ward. And, you know, you got to think what they're going to do with, you know, Nick Chubb and Baker Mayfield at that point. I, I think right. that it's very <laughs> fragile is the word. It's, it's very fragile yeah. and, the, and the slightest crack yeah. can well, completely destroy everything. I mean, I think one of the possible scenarios where it looks bad is not super dissimilar to last season and, but not in like the coaching sense, like, I think it's very possible the team has one of the top three running games in the NFL and gets six wins. Mm-hmm. And in that world, I think you're basically going to have Stefanski say, "We gotta. Th- this defense is not what's going to work, and we need better coverage players. And so Denzel Ward probably still, like again, it could be very similar to two years ago too, mm-hmm. where it's just like certain things look really good and it doesn't help much because you just have too many holes yes and i think i could see then stefanski saying and depends how baker looks i think if baker looks good they will not go six and ten um i think if baker looks even like jared goff did last year they're probably talking about you're talking about an eight win team um but i I just i think that you're it's gonna it's gonna depend a lot on what this season looks like 
I again, I'm not super worried about Baltimore again facing against them. I am like the Steelers are going to be. They're going to be the Steelers. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't like Mike Tomlin is one of the best coaches in the NFL, and I don't care what anybody says. Like the amount of stuff he's guided that team through is just absurd. Yeah, and I think Cincinnati's going to be better. Mm-hmm. And so a lot just kind of depends. Like I, I see us winning one against Baltimore, one against Cincinnati. How about Pittsburgh? I don't know. Um, Pittsburgh does is one of the best teams at defending the outside zone in the NFL. Um, to be fair, Cincinnati and Baltimore are two of the in the bottom five. Um, but Pittsburgh is one of the worst. Mm-hmm. Or one of the best, I'm sorry. Yeah. And I just, I am, listen, depends what, what various aspects of our game look like. Smart coaches still figure out a way, like, if your outside zone's not working, then you do what McVeigh did, right? Where you basically switch entirely to mid zone and inside zone, and you run a lot out of ace and play action. Yes. And I could like, but you, you got to have a playbook where the coach can do that. Mm-hmm. And so it, a lot depends on that. I, my guess is we lose both against Pittsburgh, and then win both against either Baltimore or Cincinnati, and lose one there, and finish again with a three and three record in the division. But like our out of division, the our our out of division schedule this season has a few teams like Philadelphia, Dallas, and New York. All three teams are teams that scare me. We could lose to all three. Uh, yeah, I expect to lose to to Dallas and, and Philly. It's New York oh, that's da- the one. I actually, I mean, I have Dallas is a Super Bowl contender this year. Yeah, I, I think Dallas is. I, I don't even think Mike McCarthy's an amazing coach. I think he's solid. Like he's gonna be good. But that team is just that offense, especially, is just stacked. Mm-hmm. And people like to crap on Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott's a really good quarterback. He is. He, I mean, again, he's like in that Jimmy Garoppolo tier. Like he's a guy that's going to win you a few games, not win you a lot of them, but he's not going to lose you any game ever. And that's really valuable. And so I'm. That team scares me. A lot. I think that's going to be like the 49ers game this year. I think that game will just be a total blowout. Definitely. I mean, that game's uh, at Dallas, so yeah. not not an easy place to play. No. Jeez, uh, I'm looking at their schedule right now. Their schedule is, like I said, I brought up the first two games early because earlier, you know, yeah. at Baltimore to open the season. I chalked that up as a loss. Let's be honest mm-hmm. here. They they don't win the first game of the season, uh, and they don't win in Baltimore like that often. So mm-hmm. uh, I chalked it up as a loss. <laughs> Week two against Cincinnati, Thursday at home. That's going to be difficult either way. Uh, that's pretty much a coin flip in my opinion. They should beat Washington. They yeah, should. I, yeah, I would. I mean, they're like in any world. I think they're beating Washington. If they're 0 2, they're definitely beating Washington. If they're 1 1, they're definitely beating Washington. And if they're 2 0, they're definitely beating Washington. I just, I don't see, I don't think Ron Rivera is that good of a coach, honestly. Like, I just don't think he's that good of a coach. Mm-hmm. And that team just has, like, very little talent. Yeah, the, the, it's a team, it's a game that they should win. 
should being the keyword. I, I think look, <laughs> I, I like if you're like being honest, I think you got to chalk that up as a win and just acknowledge like there's variance. Like just because yes. you chalk it up as a win doesn't mean it's a win. But yeah. so if, if, through my perspective, then you go to, to Dallas. So the way I see it, first four weeks, they're one and three. Yeah, I see two and two through the first four weeks. I just I've I've seen the story of the rookie quarterback playing against the Browns in prime time, and they have the game of their life too many yeah, times. I I've seen that so many times. I, I just I, I I mean Joe Burrow is bad at a few things that I think I actually think our defense is going to look really good against Joe Burrow um, because our defense again is going to challenge the quarterback to just hit the guy in the middle of the field. Um, or try to exploit one of the end corners, and mm-hmm. Burrow can't. Like Burrow has like a decent arm, but it's again, it's like a Jared Goff arm. I keep yeah. bringing him up this episode, but it's like a Jared Goff arm. <laughs> um, I don't think that Burrow is. I, I, I just personally don't think Burrow has a game of his life that game. But I could be wrong. But I, I see us as two and two after okay. Dallas. Who's who's week five, six, seven, and eight? Uh, we have at home against Indy at Pittsburgh. At Cincinnati versus Vegas. So I think Indy's a toss-up because I love Frank Reich and I love some of their talent, but I am really low on Phil Rivers. Um, I actually think Jacoby Brissett may end up winning that starting job back next season. Okay. Um, so I think that's a coin. Is it at Indy or Indy at home? It's Indy at home. I, I would say 60-40, that's a win. Um, okay. But Still fairly coin toss. Pittsburgh's a loss. Mm-hmm. Then you have Cincinnati and who else? Uh, Vegas. So it's at Cincy at home against the Raiders. Man, Raiders just... They're so tough for me to figure out because I can't remember us ever beating... Like It just feels like every time we play them, we lose. <laughs> but they, they don't seem like a great team. So I would say out of those four, there's one guaranteed loss and three toss-ups. Yeah. So... At that point, I have us four and four to five and three. I, I I'm just chalking those up to two and two just because of the toss ups. Yep. So I have them at three and five, at three and five through eight. Mm-hmm. Then Houston uh, after the bye week at home. Uh, Deshaun Watson's gonna slice and dice through this defense. Yeah, but Houston's defense is not great, and yeah, I mean. We'll see. I, I think that's a game that is going to be really high scoring. I don't know if that means it'll be close or not, but it's going to be really high scoring. Yeah, it. I mean, the way I, I'm, my perspective, that's a loss. Deshaun Watson's just going to have yeah. a shootout. Yeah, and, and I, I probably have that seventy thirty as a loss. Mm-hmm. Then Philly, I view that as a loss. <laughs> yeah. Y- yes. I mean, again, that's one I actually. My guess is we. Who are the next two? At Jacksonville, at Tennessee. I have them beating Jacksonville, but losing to Tennessee. Yeah, I think they're going to win one between... um, Wait. Houston, Philly, and Tennessee. I think they will win one. My guess is it's probably Houston. Um, Tennessee, though, is... They are primed for regression. They really are. Yeah, I mean, I I think they're probably winning the division because I just have a lot of faith in both offense and defensive systems. But they could end up being a really bad team. They really could. And so that's a team. Like, again, I I see that probably one and three to two and two. So at this point, I have us between 
five and five and twelve or five. So if we won five, it's five and six and seven, seven and six, or five and seven to seven, five and seven to six and six at yeah. that point. So I have them only winning one of those games at Jacksonville, yeah. uh, four and eight. Yep. Uh, then here comes the stretch run. Facing Baltimore at home, at New York, at New York, versus Pittsburgh. Oh, right. We play the Jets again. Well, we're going to beat the Jets. I think the Jets are going – the Jets are liable to not win a game this season. Um, so I, I'm – and we end with Pittsburgh? Yeah. So Baltimore, Giants, Jets, Steelers. Yeah. It, it depends how we've looked at that point. Because that is a schedule where I am one and three to two and two, but yeah, I mean, so one and three to two and two at that point, um, and so that would put me at between two games below, so six and ten to eight and eight. Yeah, um, I, I I say that again. It is if everything clicks, which is not what I'm assuming. Yes, um, I'm assuming like everything looks about average. Mm-hmm. That's six and ten to eight and eight for me, and for you it would be. I'd be five, five and eleven. Yeah, yeah. I, I get them going one and three in like pretty much every section yeah. of uh, yeah. the season here. Yeah, I mean it's a like a lot just depends, right? And so I think there's a world in which they actually start slow and it, but they don't lose faith in Stefanski and it helps them because teams start sleeping on them. Not dissimilar to what happened with the Titans last year. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I just, I don't, it's so, it, I mean, I'm looking and I see two blocks where I think the team could do better than I predicted. And that is in the, so that's the last two blocks of the season. Um, last, so the last eight games. I think they could do better than I'm predicting. Um, more likely than them doing much worse than I'm predicting. Yeah. Would be my, my point. Like, it, it, because I'm thinking, this offense is going to take a while to click. Um, and if it takes a while to click and it, those last eight games, I think there are teams that are beat. Well, again, I think Baltimore is going to be worse. I think they'll lose to Pittsburgh. I think they will. But like Pittsburgh and Philly are the only two there that I have is like just definite losses. And Dallas. Um, oh, Dallas. Is, I thought Dallas was the first eight games. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, it was. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just talking about the last eight. The Got only it. two I have as definite losses are Pittsburgh and Philly. Um, but then, like, there's just a lot of games where I put it 70-30. So, like, Baltimore 70-30. Mm-hmm. Um, Houston 70-30. Philly 70-30. And, like, if they hit the good side on those three games or even on two of those three games, then you're talking about a nine and seven, a 10 and six team. So it's just, it's so like, that is just, I mean, it's not an easy schedule and it's the order of the games that makes mm-hmm. it so hard. Yeah. The other thing I think people are going to have to be prepared for is I think it's very possible. The season gets shortened to the point where you're only playing however many games are early and then your division. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually a world I think that works better for the Browns. Yeah. Um, like, it, but it, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough. I, I really, yeah, I think on mean, I probably have them 7, 9, 8, and 8, mm-hmm. um, I guess. So it's one worse than I initially thought. But I can also see them going 
as good as 10 and 6. Yeah. So, uh, one last exercise, then I'll, yes. I'll let you go since we're, we're closing in on two hours here. Just uh, another two-parter. <laughs> uh, so, where does Baker Mayfield rank amongst the quarterbacks in the division now? And how? where do you think he'll rank at the end of the season? Not hopes. Where do you right. think? Right. So, A, I think he is worse than Joe Burrow. Or not worse. I'm sorry. I think he's better than Joe Burrow. I have, like, I think Joe Burrow may be the most overrated prospect I have seen in my life. Like, this, it's like, it's weird to me. Like, Joe Burrow had one good season in college. Mm-hmm. And he had a good season with literally the best offense around him in the NFL. Like, I, I'm so, I just, I, I am very low on Joe Burrow. I think... Joe Burrow, he reminds me a lot of like Matt Stafford, like that type of just like at best he's going to be a middle of the pack, slightly above middle of the pack guy. Hell, um, I'd take that for 10, 12 years long how they've had Stafford in Detroit. Yeah, no, but I, I mean <laughs> that is like his best case scenario. Yeah. I, I think there's a real world where Joe Burrow just flames out. Um, so I have him above Joe Burrow, at least at the end of this season, right? And. Mm-hmm. Then the question, I, I, I still think Lamar Jackson is better, although I'm not 100% convinced on that one. And I think, so like, I think, first off, there's no 14-2 and two team that's not prime for regression. Teams yeah. don't win that many games year after year. Especially, like, they actually won quite a few close games, and, like, they relied on a new scheme. So I, I just think they're going to regress. Yeah. I think Lamar Jackson's still probably better. I give that about, like, 75-25 that Lamar Jackson's better. Mm-hmm. Big Ben is the question mark. Because last time we saw healthy Big Ben, he was not looking his best, but we also know that was a terrible locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's regressed since that point, then I, I think Baker's probably better. If he looks like that or better, I think it's probably Ben is slightly above Baker. So my guess is I have him at third best in the division. But I think very quickly he will surpass Big Ben. Just like Big Ben's old, and he relied a lot on his athleticism, and that's going. Yes. Uh, and so I, I just think nat- naturally Pittsburgh doesn't have an answer. They didn't sign Jameis, which to me was crazy. So they don't really have a backup. Um, and that's like the one thing Baker is going for him. I think it's very realistic that after this season, like so n- through next season, he's the second best quarterback in the c- division. Um, so I, I am, but that doesn't mean he's good, right? I mean, yeah. my number and PFF confirmed this for me today. So I'm really glad I had Baker's the 18th best quarterback in the NFL going into this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had him exactly at 18th. So I feel pretty good about that. Um, they had a few quarterbacks higher than I thought and a few lower, but dead Baker exactly where I thought. Um, so a lot just depends. I don't know. And I mean, Like, are you saying good independent of scheme or best for the scheme they're currently in? Um, Because I think Baker very likely could end up being the best combined with the scheme he's currently in. Just because I like I don't think Lamar Jackson could succeed outside of that scheme. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't even know how much longer that scheme's effective. So it's tough. How about you? So going into the season, I have him as the third uh, best quarterback in the that. in the division uh, ahead of Joe Burrow, uh, but most of the the reason I have him ahead of Joe Burrow is uh, we don't know what the hell Joe Burrow is. Um, 
I think there's a very real possibility we end this upcoming season with him being the fourth best quarterback in the division. Yeah, you must just be higher on Joe Burrow than I am because I just now is that higher on Joe Burrow or is that low on Baker Mayfield? No, it's higher than higher. <laughs> I think this quarterback class, but so I actually think Tua, like, projects is a really really great quarterback except for the injury. It's beyond that. I think this was just a terrible quarterback class, and I think Joe Burrow was kind of like the guy that teams could say, you know what, like, there's always. One of these quarterbacks is always good, which generally is true. Like generally every draft has one quarterback that is a 20-year starter or 10-year starter. Yeah. And I think they just hooked on to Joe Burrow. Um, I, I don't see enough data. Joe Burrow reminds me of like the, there's been a bunch of other quarterbacks that just haven't started a lot of games, haven't looked good for an extended period of time. And we're on these great teams that just didn't really amount to much. And I could see that being Joe Burrow. I I just, I don't understand what people see in him that makes him so confident he'll be great. He doesn't have the arm or the legs of Kyler Murray. He's not as accurate in college as Kyler or Baker were. He doesn't throw a lot of turnover-worthy plays, so he keeps the ball. But Baker didn't do that in college either, right? And mm-hmm. in large part, when you're in really good offensive systems in college, and like no matter what, Baker is still one of the like no matter how low you are in Baker, he is one of the best quarterbacks alive, no matter what, right? Yeah. Like, um, and I think I just I, I, I he's good at throwing to the intermediate parts of the field, and he doesn't turn the ball over a lot, like. And, like, he's excellent at throwing over the middle part of the field, and he basically never turns the ball over. But I don't know. I just – I I think Cincinnati is in trouble as far as that goes. But I thought they were going to keep Dalton too, so I guess I'm wrong. <laughs> um, I Big Ben is the one, though, that to me is a big question mark. Like, I could actually see Big Ben coming back and looking like he did uh, three years ago where mm-hmm. he was just dominant. Um, and if yeah. that happens, then Baker's third no matter what. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, uh, you know, it's my, my concerns with Baker have been well documented. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well voiced. Uh, it's just, I don't know if he's uh, the right guy. Um, someone I spoke to with a week ago um in terms of his personality-wise, I know a lot of people like uh, you know are divided on how to gauge that. But some, he said that a lot of times people will use big personalities to kind of overshadow lack of ability as a quarterback, and I think that described Baker Mayfield fairly well. Yeah, I mean, it's just tough for me to square the circle, which is <laughs> we saw this guy look like one of the best college quarterbacks of all time. Mm-hmm. And we saw his first season. I mean, even when the play calling was terrible, him look really, really good. Mm-hmm. And then we saw last year where the last four games of this past season, like, look at the numbers. Baker looked really good. It was everything else that looked terrible. It's hard for me to square the circle that he is as bad as he looked for parts of last season. Um, it's just like, I can't. 
I mean, maybe he is. I I just, it's tough. Like, it's tough for me. It's tough for me to, like, figure out how I get to that point. Um, And, I mean, to be fair, Baker's numbers were really driven up by the last four games or so. Um, And so if you looked at his numbers through the first 12, they're not that great. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, last four, I guess really the second half of the season, they started looking better, but the first eight, he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL yeah. by the end of it, depending on the metric you're using, he was like 18 to 22nd. Um, so he did like put up some pretty good numbers to end Were they good numbers because teams were just letting him get what he wanted and they weren't worried about him. They were worried about Chubb. Maybe <laughs> that's very I, possible. I, it is. No, it is possible. Um, so it's just tough for me to, like, it's tough for me to square the circle. And, and I just, part of it is there's too much data that I see that Baker is not this bad. I also see too much data that he's not going to be a top five quarterback, mm-hmm. right? Like, I just, I can't see that either. And I, I've seen a few Browns fans say that, oh, he could be that good. Like, given what we saw his first year, if he improves a well, lot. I, I mean, he, his first year, he was, I think there's a few areas he could improve on. But generally, like... I think that's about where he'd be, which is like anywhere from 12th to 16th best in the NFL, um, maybe 10th to 16th best in the NFL. But that, like, to me, that's exactly what the Browns need. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, it's tough. Like, I, I just, it's tough because the evidence we have is so, like, everything's an outlier. Yes. <laughs> like, everything is an outlier. Both the good and the bad play are outliers. Um, and so it's just tough for me. I, like Baker to me is just this real huge question mark, mm-hmm. and I can't. I really can't figure out where I where I have him. So the way I've been looking at it, uh, he's not as good as his what he sh- his best of his best. He's not. That's not him. He's not as bad as his worst of his worst. However, I think he's closer to the worst of his worst than he is the the best of his best. Okay, that's fair. I think, you know, his average performance is closer on the the lower end of the spectrum versus the higher end of the spectrum. Um, I know a lot of people like to cherry-pick stats, which is one of the things that people have replied to me uh, when I've criticized Baker and what he's done and what he is. And I'm like, that's great. <laughs> but where, where yeah. did all those cherry-pick stats... You're, you're, you're cherry-picking no matter what you're doing, right? Yeah. I mean, because it just, it's so, like... I, and I think your point is fair. I think a lot will depend. There's a few things I think we'll need to see. So, A, how Baker looks on bootlegs and the run more frequently. B, how the outside zone scheme where pass and run plays look the same to the defense impacts Baker's ability to hit the open receiver. C, how Baker can audible on more plays at the line of scrimmage. And D, if Baker can figure out how he feels most comfortable using Odell Beckham. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those four things, that, like if Baker doesn't look great on play action when it's being used more frequently and Baker still can't find his open receiver, even though pass and run plays look the same, that means the problem is pre-snap. Um, he's not looking at these pre-snap. And if he's not looking at plays pre-snap well then i think he's probably closer to where you think he is and i i mean than i think he is and so it's just it's tough right because he hasn't like 
RPOs he's really good at, but RPOs really, I mean, people say they're pre-snap read. They're really not. Um, they're, I mean, they technically are. You have to read pre-snap and you have to read right when the ball is snapped. Mm-hmm. And Baker's good at those. And I think he'll always be good at RPOs. But if he's a quarterback that's only good at RPOs, then he's a backup. Yeah. Um, it, and so, I mean, you know what you have in Case Keenum. I don't think there, if they ever use Case Keenum, it's not going to be to see if he could be the quarterback of the future. It's that Baker looks so bad that to preserve any team chemistry, you need to bench him. Yes. Um, it's not a Ryan Tannehill situation no. where, like, Ryan Tannehill had a lot of promise, outperformed Mariota in camp, and then you were kind of stuck with Mariota until, like, you got to that point, you benched him, brought in Tannehill. Um, I, Case Keenum has not shown that, at least in enough years where I don't think it's possible. But, right, I mean, I think that there's just too much unknowns because we just don't have enough data. Um, and I, I could see your point, right? Like, it is plausible that, like, when you start running play action more, Baker just isn't hitting them, right? Like, like we saw this year. And if that's the case, again, it's these pre-snap reads that he's not seeing because he's catching the defense off guard. Obviously, like that's the nature of this offense, and so if he's not reading pre-snap correctly, then, then I think he's probably closer to what you're saying, mm-hmm. if not worse. Yeah. Um, um, I my hope is that his pre-snap is pretty good, um, and I like again, it's just small sample, but in small sample over two years, we've seen that his pre-snap read is pretty good. It's the post-snap that he struggled with, and this offense really gets rid of post-snap. Um, like, he's good at the first part of the post-snap read. He's bad once the play really starts. Um, and, like, this offense gets rid of that. Like, most plays in this offense, he's not having to do a whole lot of post-snap reads. Um, so, it should be, like, Baker should, like, if Baker's as good as people think he's going to be, then this should be the offense for him. The The regime, I don't care how you feel about any parts on this offense, mm-hmm. the regime has made this season the Baker Mayfield season. Yes. Every piece around him amplifies his strengths and covers his weaknesses. So I think this season tells a lot about where the Browns are going to be in the future. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's a make-or-break year uh, yep. for Baker Mayfield, and I think it's a make-or-break year for the uh, immediate competitiveness of this roster. Yeah, I mean, quarterbacks on average are worth, like, quarterbacks on average determine a team's win and losses in, like, 13 games a season. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just this absurd number. So, and, like, then scheme is basically another two and a half, and everything else is that half game. So, I mean, like, this season is going to show us how good Baker is. It really will. I mean, better than last season, better than his rookie year, and better than his college tape. This season will show us. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I see the reason why, like, he's so good at RPOs that you would have liked a one of the Andy Reid disciples to coach the team. But, I mean, we actually ran a decent number of RPOs last year, and Baker looked really good on them. It just they're they're short plays. They don't they can't get you a ton of yardage. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think we'll see those. It's four things to me, those four things. And 
those are where we're kind of we're going to see if he's really good or if he's good or if he's bad or if he is so bad that you have to bench him halfway through the year. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. I'm not saying you're wrong because I think there's probably a 50% chance you're right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, it's also a 50% chance I'm wrong. So Right, right. I mean, which, like, not great odds, but still, like, we'll see. Well, when it comes to the Browns quarterback, that's uh, probably the best odds we've had in a long time. Yeah, it's fair. No, no, it's, I mean, it's true. Like, for all the complaints about Baker, and I think a lot of them are warranted, we have not had a quarterback that brings this much justified hope in a long time. Yes. Uh, which is kind of sad, but. It, it is, because uh, the second place is probably Derek Anderson. Uh, Brian Hoyer, third. Third, Brian Hoyer. Uh, Fourth, Colt McCoy. I was going to throw Tim Couch in there somewhere. Uh, oh, Tim Couch, yeah, yeah. Tim Couch would be third. He just, the injuries caught up with him, yeah. Tim Couch maybe second. I don't know. Tim Couch um, should be second. I could probably put Tim Couch yeah. second, Derek Anderson third. Yeah. Warrior four, Colt McCoy yeah. fifth. Yeah, that's true. I mean, my the one thing I keep trying to remind myself is that Brian Hoyer looked good in this offense, and Baker Mayfield is pretty much a better version of Brian Hoyer in every regard. And so outside of interceptions, which he was really good, great out of college, so – I think that if Brian Hoyer could look really good in this offense, so can Baker. Um, but again, I mean, you're right. Like maybe the, those last eight games or so of the first year were fluke, were fluky, and maybe the last four games of last year were fluky. Mm-hmm. It's again like fifty percent possible. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll see.